Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, we are continuing our series on the fruit of the Spirit with Irene Sun. Irene and I chatted about God's kindness and the ultimate expression of his kindness in the way that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Because of what Jesus did, the Holy Spirit resides in those who believe in him. And we too, because of him, can actually seek to emulate his kindness for a lost and dying world to see by the power of his spirit that resides within us. Irene is an absolute joy, and as you'll hear, she had me laughing for a good portion of this conversation. So you'll know her a little bit better. Irene's son was born in Malaysia, and she's the author of a picture book, God Counts, Numbers in His Word and His World. She teaches her four boys with her preacher husband in Chicago and through TGC's Women's Training Network. Now, on to my conversation with Irene's son on the topic of kindness. Irene, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I was just telling you, I saw you from a distance at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference back in 2018, and you were so beautifully dressed, by the way, uh, with a baby. I want to say strapped, but that sounds way too aggressive. You had a baby carrier (laughs) on and the sweetest little infant with you as you went around from session to session and you were speaking on panels and stuff like that. And I thought, man, she just looks lovely. So I'm so excited to get to chat with you today. Oh, the pleasure is truly mine. I've been listening to your podcast and it's crazy to be speaking to you now. It's like, this is not just through my podcast. Like, this is for real. Like, I'm actually having a conversation with Hunter. (laughs) Yes, because I can't stop thinking like, am I just talking to myself? Like, because I'm usually doing the dishes or something. And so I'm just like, this is really weird (laughs) because I hear this voice a lot. But now I'm actually responding to this. Oh, that's so (laughs) wonderful. Well, you do so many things. You're a mom. You homeschool your kiddos. You have four of them. Um, You're also an author. You were born in Malaysia, which I think is just so incredibly cool. And I'd love to hear more of the story about what brought you here. You're now living in, are you in Chicago? Is that correct? Yep. Yeah, Chicago. And then you also do something really cool, which I would love to be a part of at some point, just getting to sit under the teaching of the women who teach and train through the Gospel Coalition Women's Training Network. So what did I miss? Well, uh, you already mentioned that I'm from Malaysia. So that is my heritage. Like, So I'm ethnically a Chinese. Okay. But in my soul, I think I am like an islander because I was born on an island and 
from our living room, we face the mountains, and from our kitchen, we face the ocean. So, wow. ocean is like in my soul, and so, and the mountains are in my soul. So, I really miss the mountains and the ocean a lot. I came to the U- United States um, to study for college, mm-hmm. and so I ended up in the middle of a cornfield in Iowa. <laughs> for my undergrad <laughs> and whenever the sun set I always thought like there is something wrong with this picture like why is it not that why is the sun not setting into the ocean like why is it setting into a field of corn like I <laughs> I don't understand why it is so flat and so so I've adjusted and so now I actually think that you know big fields of agriculture can be very beautiful too so wow um, that's amazing did you meet your husband along that way so I met my husband and we got married after graduate school so I've been here for quite some time next uh, about 19 years now, which shows my age, I guess. <laughs> wow. You know, you have four boys to show for it and they're just so precious. And it was such a joy to get to hear from you on the topic of catechism and, and catechesis and how to train our children with like a vocabulary of faith when you were at the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference. And you mentioned to me that uh, you often do breakout panels and such on training children. And so I think that might have been the connection for me with like asking you to come on and talk about kindness, the fruit of the spirit (laughs) as kindness. And and you and I were laughing because we both feel so ill-equipped to have this conversation just in general. So uh, I hope that the listeners feel all the solidarity in us coming alongside them kind of at the kitchen table and just having a chat about what it looks like to walk in kindness. So could you break it down for us, Irene? Like what is kindness? And And what's the difference between God's kindness and human niceness? I think that is such an interesting question because a lot of times we treat them as though they're synonymous, but I'd love to hear the distinction between the two. Well, I think kindness is hard to define. It's hard to define the the taste of honey. Like if you were to ask me like, how does honey taste like? Well, I can say, well, honey is sticky on my fingers and but it's smooth and warm and sweet when you put it in your mouth you know and yeah it's like so you know how kindness tastes like when you are on the receiving end and you know what unkindness or meanness tastes like when you're on the receiving end but it's just so hard to pinpoint right and and so like you mentioned that um I have four boys. And so like every single day I keep telling them like part of my job is to help them discern like, was that a kind word? Like, was that a kind way to say things? Or like you may have said the right word, right. but did you use the right tone? <laughs> you know? And there's just so many layers to kindness. I think probably the best way to know kindness is to taste it, right? So I, I've been chewing on this question um, for a while, and I, I think that perhaps Paul says it best in hmm. the book of Philippians when he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests 
of others. Hmm. So, I mean, that gets to so many layers of what kindness means because that is what it means to follow the new commandment. The reason the commandment is new is because we're not merely loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, but we are to think that they are even better than us. Mm-hmm. So to celebrate when other people are celebrating their victory, you know, and to weep with them when they're mm-hmm. weeping because mm-hmm. we are not going to look down on them and think, oh, like if we were in their situation, we would do so much better, you know, so to put others before ourselves. And so that is, that is a challenge, I think. It is. It's for, so counterintuitive. Yeah. Like we want to try and be the best. We want to be picked. We want to outdo one another. And it's not outdoing each other and showing honor most of the time. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so um, so your second part of the question is like, so how is kindness then different from niceness? Or like more specifically, how does God's kindness, uh, how is God's kindness different from our human niceness right and i was like trying to dig into my mind uh or just into my memories what this perhaps tasted like Hmm. so when i first came to the united states i mentioned i was 18 i um i remember because i was in the midwest people told me that midwesterners are really nice yeah and I noticed like they, they were really nice because like I would just be walking down on the sidewalk and people would say hello, like perfect strangers would just like smile at me, you know, and just I thought, wow, like this is like a really nice place because in Malaysia, we definitely did not smile at strangers. And so I thought, OK, that's good. Like, I'm glad that I am like learning this new culture where people are really nice to each other. Yeah. And then, like, within the first few months, I remember of coming here, my grandmother died. And Mm. so I just remember being so devastated that day, really wanting to be with my mom and knowing that she must be really hurting back Mm -hmm. home. But there's just no way of going back. Mm -hmm. First, it's really far. And second, it's very, very expensive. And so I, I was just grieving from a distance. And I remember going to the cafeteria that day and I was at the salad bar and a girl that I kind of saw in class, but I didn't really know she was at the salad bar too. And so as we were passing by, she said, hi, how are you? And I was so moved to, I I think I I even had like some tears Mm -hmm. in my eyes because here's this girl who was just like an acquaintance and she was asking me how I was doing. And I was just, really moved by that gesture. And so I told her, oh, my grandmother died. And she looked at me for a second and she just walked away with her salad. And I was in shock because in Malaysia, when you ask someone, how are you? It's a very personal question. It it means I care about what's going on with you what is going on in your life today? I really want to know. That's what the question, how are you mean? And for, for me, like I opened up to this acquaintance and for her to just walk away, I think I was really stunned by that. And it wasn't until years later 
that people explained to me that in the United States and especially like in the Midwest, people say, how are you as a form of hello? <laughs> so right. I probably also stunned her by my like exposing my soul to her at the salad bar. No, yes. <laughs> and so she probably just walked away stunned like, I don't know what to say. To this, <laughs> <laughs> this is like the perfect disaster. Yeah. And so I think one of the biggest difference that I am now answering the question, <laughs> what is the difference is that God's kindness is all knowing. Like he knows hmm. our culture. He knows our circumstances. Like he knows like you need to do the laundry. He yes. knows like what your kids like for breakfast, you know? And so when he gives you an offer for a home for you and your husband and your children, he knows exactly what to offer. Whereas yeah. like for human niceness, yes. as much as we want to be nice, our, our knowledge is so limited, you know? And so, and I'm sure that that person was nice when she came up to me and say, hi, how are you? Like, that's nice. But she was limited in knowing my circumstances. She totally. was limited in knowing my culture. So it's not her fault for not knowing. It's not our fault sometimes like when we offend people with you no know, gestures of kindness that mm -hmm. is not well received. But, you know, that's that's part of human nature. Mm -hmm. You know, we are we're just so limited. Mm -hmm. And I, I think another big difference between God's kindness and human niceness is that, you know, that phrase random acts of kindness <laughs> yes i remember when i was a teenager um I, I just love to think that i'm the kind of person that would just like do random acts of kindness yeah you know like and that was because i was a teenager and i did not have any commitments and i did not have people to feed and clothe and laundry <laughs> to do and those are random acts of kindness irene <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. But I just remember like thinking like, why can't people just like pay it forward more, you yes. know, and being so judgmental. And now that I'm a mom and I'm at the DMV or, you know, at the <laughs> post office, you know, I'm not like randomly like letting people go ahead in line. You know? <laughs> and so I think that the phrase random act of kindness is just kind of unrealistic, especially yeah. as like an adult with commitment. Yeah. Like it's an unrealistic view of ourselves. And then so on the same note, God's kindness is never random. Mm, yes. His, his kindness is always a fulfillment of a promise that he has Yes. made. If he says, I will provide for all your needs, he will provide for yes. all our needs. And his kindness is to pursue us. Like he's pursuing uh. us so that we would fall at his feet in worship. Mm. When he heals people, it is so that we would know that he is willing to forgive our sins. When he rescues us, it's because he wants to bring us to be with him. And, you know, he, when he sends us trials even, yes. it's because he's molding us into the image of his son. And so his mm. kindness is never random. It is always purposeful and it, it is always for our good. Yes. I mean, that's how, like, even in this situation that we're facing right now, I feel like this is such an evidence of God's kindness, even though 
on the surface, it did not seem good to have just settled into our house. And, you know, yeah. we've had so many well-meaning people reach out and say, like, this is not what you needed. And I'm like, you know yeah. what? I think it actually is on so many levels, you know, not just because the Lord used this incident in his kindness to draw us into closer relationship with the people that are around us. That's been a huge thing and caused us to, like, look to our local church here that we've only been a part of for just a few months for real yeah. tangible help. But like you yeah. said, for the salvation of our souls, like he is molding us into the image of his son. And that yeah. is worth it. I keep saying I have never felt more like a wandering Israelite than I have in this situation. Oh, yeah. This is not an efficient process. That's frustrating to me. And I'm complaining over the provision that the Lord has so graciously extended. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. You know, in referencing the Israelites in the Old Testament, I think there's this myth that God is wrathful in the Old Testament. Like he's kind in the New Testament. I've even heard people say this, like he's kind in the New Testament, but the God of the Old Testament is wrathful. Can we talk about that yeah. misunderstanding a little bit? Oh, yeah. I think that that is so wrongheaded. And by the way, you know, we misunderstand God all the time. Yes. <laughs> but then he is still so kind towards us. Yes. Because as I was thinking about kindness, I think one of the hardest times for me to be kind to someone is when I was misunderstood. Yeah. You know, it's like when people misunderstand my intention, mm -hmm. it's like, that is not what I was trying to do. You know, it's really hard for me to be kind. Mm -hmm. because, and yet like we misunderstand God all the time. And yet like his kindness continues to pursue us and yeah. he continues to help us understand who he is he continues to reveal himself to us so the first thing to say is in the old testament like the first thing that he did i mean after adam and eve disobeyed him was he sought them yeah in the garden you know and when he says adam where are you he's not saying wow you're really good at hide and seek you know and i can't find where you are <laughs> He's saying, it's like, no, I am pursuing you even though you're hiding from me, even yeah. though you are isolating yourself from me. And then I just remember when they were trying to clothe themselves with fig leaves. Yes. And the Lord clothed them with the skin, you know. And mm -hmm. if that is not an act of kindness, I don't know what is. So just even from the first chapters of Genesis, we see the kindness of God just permeating 
the first two chapters with his generosity, with mm-hmm. his provision, like he made this entire garden and this entire universe in order for these two tiny creatures to be able to survive. And when they rebelled against him, he continues to love them. And even when he was sending them out from the Garden of Eden, it's a very, it's also a severe act of mercy because he did not want them to eat from the tree of life and be separated from him forever, you know? So I just find that, I don't know, like the more I read the Old Testament, the more I wonder like, where did that understanding or misunderstanding even come from that God is wrathful in the Old Testament? And then, but see, the thing is like, when you read the New Testament on the other side of the coin, like, have you read like all the really mean things that Jesus says (laughs) because when we think of like WWJD like what would Jesus do you know like well he overturned tables and he chased all the animals out so it's like he's not all just like sweets and yeah fluffy cotton candy in the New Testament either either you know and so both in the Old and New Testament I think God's tenderness and toughness comes through and also just both his mercy and his judgment comes through and and all of those things all the many layers of all those things are part of his kindness Uh uh you know it is kind for me to correct my children when they do something wrong it is not kind of me to let them do whatever they Uh want to and so I think that uh, that misunderstanding, I think, needs to just be put to bed. <laughs> it's so true. I think when you bring out that parenting piece, it makes it a lot more clear because my kids have definitely said to me before, like, mom, you're not being nice when I've been correcting them or uh, training them. And I'm like, hey, this is the kindest thing that I could do for you is to show you um, you're not walking yeah. in obedience and yeah. you really desperately need a savior. Uh, you know, I think it does. Like you mentioned we just so often lack perspective. And a lot of times that causes us to respond negatively to um, God's evidences of God's kindness in our life. So what response do God's people have to his kindness like throughout the scripture? The first thing that we should do every time when kindness is shown to us Mm -hmm. is gratitude. I think gratitude is very underrated in the Christian culture because if if we think of it, like the first act of rebellion when Adam and Eve mm-hmm. were in the garden was they were ungrateful. Totally. They were ungrateful for the thousands and millions of species of oh, trees yes. that were given to them. And they were lusting after that one thing yeah. that they were not allowed to have. And so, yes, that tree was the culmination of their act of rebellion mm-hmm. but they they started making bad decisions when they stopped being grateful mm-hmm. so i think the response of the christian no matter what circumstances we're in is thank you lord and it's so hard it because is. My son, my one-year-old, he has a cough. You know, it's like a minor mm-hmm, cold. Mm-hmm. But because he's one, you know, he's waking up like five times 
we are living the same life right now. (laughs) (laughs) At night when I'm waking up, I'm not thinking, thank you, Lord, for waking me up. (laughs) No. For the fifth time. (laughs) (laughs) And, but if I did take that attitude, I think life would be so much better if I am grateful. Like, Lord, I'm thankful that I'm here for my child, that I am not far away, that my child is able to call out to me and I am able to respond. You know, that is a blessing, but, and that is a kindness from the Lord, but we don't see it that way because we are so busy loving sleep. (laughs) Ruminating on what we want. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I totally get you. Like last night, same exact scenario. And we're in the hotel room and I can't let him cry because the sisters are right there. And uh, so I got out of bed at Mm five 11 in the morning. And I, Irene, I haven't been able to really have like a great time in the word because we're in this little tiny space. And so like when the kids go down, the lights go out and, um, I haven't been waking up early because I haven't wanted to wake them. And exactly what you're saying, like God in his kindness allowed me to see that 5, 11 AM wake up with uh, my nine month old as such an expression of his kindness, because I got time in the word and my perspective has been so much healthier today. You know, like my, yeah. my perspective has been rightly oriented and I'm so grateful, but you're right. Like I could have w- woken up and just like lamented the fact that I woke up at five and I've done that many, many mornings, but I'm so grateful um, to the Lord for his grace and enabling me to see like the kindness that that was this morning. And trust me, that doesn't happen every time. So yeah, <laughs> how does scripture actually admonish us to emulate the kindness of God? Like we talk about this throughout this series, how, you know, the fruit of the spirit, a lot of times we have a tendency to think of them as kind of moralistic virtues, but really this is an invitation to mirror the character of God. So how does scripture admonish us to be kind as God is so kind to us? Well, one reminder that is good to have is the purpose for which God shows us kindness is for our repentance. And when Mm, I say repentance, I don't mean just like begging God to forgive us, but repentance as in our turning towards him. Yes. Because ultimately we need him. He is our ultimate good, right? So in Romans 2, verse 4, it says, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, which is the same word that we find in Galatians chapter 5. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Mm. So I think it's really helpful for me to remember like God's kindness towards me is not just so that mm-hmm. I could have a happy life. You know, but it, I mean, ultimately I will be happy when I have God, but if my Mm -hmm. happiness is in mm, having a very big home or having a good night's sleep or being able to hang out with my friends or even having devotions in the morning, you know, because that I, sometimes I idolize that moment of silence before everybody else wakes up. And so I have to remember that God's kindness is to lead me to repentance. And so if I don't get my hour of reading my Bible in the morning, it is because God wants me to put my trust in him and not in that hour of silence. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that out. 
Oh, because it's 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 really I for a, a moment. I mean, just a couple months ago, I was idolizing that time, and my husband had to call me out on it. And he said, "You know, like what you need is God, not." silence. <laughs> totally. And, and it's just so funny how you're like sitting there trying to have your quiet time and your kids come downstairs and you're like, get back upstairs. Go back to sleep. Not a Christ-like response in that moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so often I'm in those situations and I fail to show kindness to whoever it is, you know, whether it be the lady in the grocery store checkout. I don't know about you, Irene, but I'm just having like all these thoughts about all the times that I've been unkind in the last couple of weeks. So some of these are hitting too close to home. But, you know, if we failed to show kindness to people in our life, what should our response be? So I think that the first thing to say is one who is forgiven much loves much. Oh, why did you have to bring that out, Irene? I just <sighs> keep on realizing how much I lack grace and why <sighs> that is. You know, because I think that the more we realize how much kindness we've received from the Lord, mm. the more we want to show yes. to others. It's like that servant in the Gospels, right? Like uh, uh, his master forgave him for like a lot of money. And then like he turns around and like oh. he holds back mercy from the person who owes him like a tiny little bit of money. Yes, And I feel like that all the time. Me too. God shows me a huge amount of kindness and mercy and grace. And then I turn around and I can't get a cup of water for my child. Right. Or I'm annoyed because, you know, they spilled yogurt for the fifth time in the same day. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just complaining. All the moms are like <laughs> solidarity. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't think we should excuse our kindness. Mm. So we should totally ask our children for forgiveness. You know, we say, mommy, sorry, I raised my voice and I shouldn't. That was unkind of mommy. Would you please forgive me? Yes. What is that? Like our, like two seconds of our dignity, you know, like if we are willing to die for Christ, like we sing sometimes in our worship songs, it's like we are, we can lose our dignity for a few seconds. And the beauty is like our children are so ready to forgive us, mm-hmm. you know, and yes. they're just like, oh, it's okay, mommy. Like, I forgive you. And then, and then they don't bring it up again. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. It really is amazing how too, Irene, like what you're mentioning, they, there's something in them that knows that the act of injustice necessitates uh, repentance and an apology, because I will just be like justifying my behavior towards my children in my brain. I'll think like, oh, well, they walked in disobedience and da 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 all these things. And then as soon as I just relinquish that and look at my little five-year-old in her face and say like, you know what? Mommy really messed up. Would you forgive me? I'm telling you, the look on her face, number one, is like honey, what you mentioned earlier. It's just like she responds so kindly to my repentance uh, and it's so freely given to me. It's amazing. Yeah. And I think that in that same vein, it is so important for us to hate our own unkindness more than we hate the unkindness of others. Mm. We need to hate our own sin more than we hate the sin of our children and our husband. And to just like, am I quick to point out my own wrong before I point out the wrong in my children? Am I well acquainted with my own bad habits 
and all the forms of self-glorifying tendencies that I have in my heart before I see in others. <laughs> what, Irene? You're hurting me in the best of ways. This is iron sharpening iron. I don't know. I, I am like here at the kitchen table thinking like, wow, that was such a sweet rebuke, by the way. Thank you so much. I am going to remember that walking forward with my kiddos. I, I just confessed to you um, before we got on the call, before we started recording that this has just been a challenge and responding to my children in kindness you know, when I'm feeling particularly ungrateful and grouchy. And I think too, in this situation, sometimes like when we feel like we are experiencing injustice, right? When we're in a situation where we feel like we kind of have to like fight for our own good. Like we think if we show kindness to others, the way that God has shown it to us, that people might take advantage of us. We feel like we need to protect ourselves in some way because extending kindness to this degree leaves us really vulnerable. So what would you say to that? Well, what I would say to that is, yes, of course, people will take advantage of us. And I think we just have to be okay with that. I mean, look at Jesus. (laughs) I know, right? It's always standing beneath the cross. Like there is no words to say like well who are we you know like who are we to complain like oh there was one day I remember um it was winter time here in Chicago and there was a mother and child who was begging for food in front of Costco and at that moment I had my son with me my 10 year old and I remember he was just watching me what how I was going to help this mother and this child. And in my head, I had all these dialogues of like, I'm going to be taken advantage of, like they're probably going to take the money and use it for something unhelpful, you know, and I just really struggled with giving. But then I knew that my son was watching me and I knew that this was like a really important teaching moment. And so I took out a $50 Costco gift card and I gave it to her and her child. And I would just like to confess that it was really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, It was hard because I just kept second guessing myself. Like, am I yeah. being too naive? You know, yeah. am I being stupid? You know, like right now we we're looking for a job and I have four children to feed too, you know, and it's like, was I not a good steward of God's resources, you know? And so, yes, like I have those same kinds of fears. Like, am I going to be taken advantage of? And the answer is yes. (laughs) If we're going to be kind in this world and not expecting kindness back, we will be taken advantage of. But I also have to remember we are living sacrifices unto the Lord. He has all of our days written of us in in his book. Mm -hmm. So whatever acts that we have done in his name for his glory, he remembers and he sees. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be enough for me. Mm -hmm. I don't need to know where is my kindness going to go? Is my kindness going to bear fruit? Are people Mm -hmm. going to appreciate my kindness? Like that is none of my business. Like that is not Um, I don't have the power. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't have the power to control that. Even if I wanted to, I don't have the power to control that. Mm -hmm. So whenever we do make sacrifices unto the Lord, we're offering ourselves to him and Mm -hmm. not for ourselves. And so I'm just thinking of um, 
that verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, hmm. clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, and that's hmm. the word again, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I'm thinking, I love that God is constantly using that imagery of clothing. It's like this cloak that he's giving to us. You know how capes are like really in now? <laughs> they're, they're, they're like back in fashion. And this cape that God is putting on our shoulder, this cape of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, this is blood bought, you know, and this is purchased by the blood of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if Queen Elizabeth, for example, if we're, if she were to like give me one of her hats or something, like I would wear it in a heartbeat and I'm not going to say, oh, it's a sacrifice for me <laughs> to wear this hat, you know, <laughs> or, or maybe it's a little sacrifice because people will wonder like, why in the world am I wearing a hat? <laughs> you could pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I guess the point is like, if we were to like receive this beautiful garment from like one of the top designers you know we will never think like it's a sacrifice for us to put this on right mm -hmm. but here is God clothing us with the blood-bought righteousness of the lamb you know so we should not call it a sacrifice you know so I struggle with even calling our giving or our kindness mm -hmm. a sacrifice mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. it pales like, in comparison Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I imagine too, like you coming from Malaysia and having just a different cultural perspective, like you probably have some examples in your mind that just like mind pale in comparison to this whole flood situation is like not even a thing. So like what encouragement do you have for listeners who are hearing this, but it's really hard um, to think about expressing kindness in the face of great injustice? The first thing to is to acknowledge that it is unjust and it is hard to go through what you're going through, especially, I mean, not you specifically, but... I will receive that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I, I would lament with you. Like the, the yeah. Bible calls me to weep with those who weep. And when I found yes. out that you were living in a hotel with three young children, I, I would weep with you. And I would acknowledge that it's hard. And now here I'm thinking of circumstances like, for example, Ruth and Naomi in yeah. the Old Testament, right? And right. here's Naomi, an ungrateful, kind of bitter old woman. And here's Ruth who doesn't have to go with her back to Israel, but promises to go with her wherever she goes. And then... Um, when Naomi arrives in Bethlehem, she's shouting, oh, my hand's empty, you know, when like Ruth is standing right there, you know. Right. And then the next scene, we see that Ruth is like gleaning in the field for her and basically earning their food so that they could continue living. And I can't imagine that was a very comfortable situation for Ruth. Yeah. You know, she's like uh, living hello. with a mother-in-law who... <laughs> who didn't really want her there and then who wouldn't even acknowledge that she was there when she was standing right there. And so <laughs> so I, I think of Ruth and then 
I think of like what Boaz says to Ruth when mm. um, Ruth offered to be the vessel of life for Naomi because the way that the kinsman redeemer thing work, and, and I'm just learning this because it's not like an easy concept. So what Ruth was offering was she will be the vessel, like the vessel of life for Naomi so that Naomi can have an heir in order that her husband's name can be carried on. Hmm. So first, Ruth was a vessel of food, like she was gleaning in the field. And now she was offering her womb so that Naomi can have a son slash grandson so that her husband's name can live on. And so that was why Boaz then turned to Ruth and said, your second kindness is even greater than your first. Because at first I thought that the recipient of kindness was Boaz, like saying something like, oh, like you're so kind to want to marry an old man, you know, but that's not what Ruth is saying at all. Ruth is saying you're willing to do the second kindness for Naomi, which is even greater than your first act of kindness, which was gleaning in the field. And that stuns me because Boaz called her, you are a woman of valor. And in the ESV, I think it's translated like you're a woman of worth or a, you're a worthy woman. Hmm. And here is like my little plug to like study Hebrew. <laughs> Give it. I was stunned when I was like, woman of worth, like what is this? And so I looked it up in the Hebrew and this word worth is actually the word for strength in the Hebrew Bible. Wow, yeah. And I was like, strength, which is if for the nerdiest bunch of you, the Hebrew word is hayil. And usually this word hayil is used for like soldiers, like David's men of valor, you know, like the soldiers yeah. who are really strong. And so Boaz is a man of valor. And then there are so uh, there are other um, instances in the Old Testament when this word is used is is used as like a very like physical strength to promote physical strength or like a, a very high stature. And so it's not usually associated with women. And I thought, wow, like Ruth is called a woman of valor for her act of kindness. Yeah. And I just thought, well, does this happen again in scripture? Like, is there any other instance where a woman is called a woman of valor? And there is. It's found in Proverbs 31. Huh. You know that phrase, an excellent wife who can find? Yes. Excellent wife in the Hebrew is woman of valor. Wow. I don't know who translated Proverbs 31, but in the Hebrew, it's not wife, is woman. And it's not excellent, Interesting. but it's valor. So when, the, so when the king's mother is asking, because she's talking to her son, the king, and she's saying, a woman of valor who can find, and then she begins to list all these things that this strong woman does. Mm. Like one of the things that she does is she's a very kind woman who provides for her family, who wakes up 
in the middle of the night and who provides for her handmaiden who is industrious. So this is a woman of valor. You don't have to be a wife in order to be a woman of valor. And I just thought that that was like an interesting detail. And at this point, I have no idea what your question was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm loving where you're going with it. And I think naturally, you know, we want to be kind. Like you you hear all of that and you're like, man, I want to be a woman of valor. Like I want to be known for my kindness. And I think anybody listening knows that it actually takes a lot of strength, like you mentioned, to be kind when you're facing a situation where it doesn't come naturally to be kind. So what or who actually enables us to be kind? Like, where do we find the strength to act in kindness? Well, I think that even in Galatians chapter five, you know, mm-hmm. it, kindness being a fruit of the spirit. Yeah. You know, it just like right there, we see like we cannot cause any fruit to grow. Like Just like we can water, we can, you know, feed our children we can i don't i don't water my children (laughs) (laughs) sometimes i I do kids open your mouths (laughs) (laughs) oh i do do, that's true i do i do water my children (laughs) Uh, but at the end of the day it is god who caused them to bear fruit right like no matter how many times i say be kind speak in a kind voice and was that a kind thing to say? You know, can you please repeat that in a kind tone? Like no matter how many times I remind them, at the end of the day, it is God who causes yeah. the tree to bear fruit. So it's just one of those things in life where we can work and participate and labor with God, but the Lord is the one who causes the garden to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. And that is such a comfort because he knows what's best. How can having a generous and kind inclination towards other people around us actually point them to the gospel? Mm. I think that is at the end of the day, the most important thing, right? Like we want to share the gospel with people because kindness will not save them no matter how kind we are. If we don't tell them about Jesus and his saving grace, we are all doomed. And so I read an article recently on Christianity Today, and I thought it was really insightful because the the title of the article was The Apostles Never Shared the Gospel, Neither Should We. And I just thought, what? (laughs) The apostles never share the gospel? Because sharing, the author argues, like typically involves giving something to someone who wants it. Like, so for example, um, I tell my older boys to share their toys with their baby brother. Or like I share my curry recipe with my friends who wants the curry recipe. I'm going to need that. (laughs) (laughs) But then when we say things like, oh, I'm going to share the gospel, not many people are begging us to share the gospel. It's so true. Though, right. <laughs> and so in this sense, the gospel, I mean, the apostles did not share the gospel and the apostles preached the gospel. They huh. warn us from false teaching. Yeah. They persuade us to hope in Christ. They defend the deity and sufficiency of Christ. The apostles plead for people to come to Christ and they call people to repentance. And I think 
we need to start having that mindset when yeah. it comes to the gospel. You know, it's like, oh, whenever people quote that phrase, that pithy phrase, like share the gospel every day and sometimes use words, mm -hmm. that one or something like that. Yeah. As I grow older, I grow increasingly agitated by that phrase mm -hmm. because Jesus is the word of God. Mm -hmm. it, it is necessary for us to use words. Yeah. We need to use words in order to share with others like what is the hope that we have that enables us to be kind. You know, if we can, you know, like feed them till, until they're blue in their faces and we can, you know, send however many shoe boxes mm -hmm. to however many ch children in um, in the developing world, but if the gospel is not shared, we are not being kind, you know, because shoeboxes with full of toys will not save their soul. Just like meals that we share, and you know, I think like there are organizations where we can volunteer our time, like, yes, volunteer our time and feed children who are hungry, but at the same time, like, if we don't preach the gospel with words, people mm -hmm. are not going to know mm -hmm. of the hope that we have in Jesus. Mm, yeah, I know so many of the listeners, myself included, want to do a better job of that. And they want to better understand this passage and the passages that you've referenced. So do you have any resources that you would recommend that would help us to grow in these areas? I think that just speaking from like an immigrant's perspective, if uh, some of us are wanting to grow in like uh, hospitality, for example, to yeah. immigrants. Like a great resource is this thing called Google. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or not even Google, but, you know, the library yeah. in general. Because like, so for example, when I first met my friend from Chile, I had no idea like what people in Chile are like. Like I've, I've never met anyone from Chile and I was going to cook a meal for them, but I didn't know like what they ate, you know? And right. so I just Googled like food in Chile, you know, and I found out that they love bread and, you know, they love like, corn and they love things like tomatoes. And so that was really helpful. Like I, I think in order for us to grow in kindness, we need to be increasingly hmm. other focused. Like how do we serve them in a way that actually serves them? So I think, just doing a little bit of research before before hospitality is really helpful. And like with my children, when the way that I'm trying to encourage them to be kind, especially because they're boys and I feel like, because I don't have girls, so I'm a little bit biased. <laughs> I just feel like girls are generally like kinder people. <laughs> Whereas like boys just need a lot of growth in the area or something. I don't know. But one of the ways I'm trying to teach them to be kind is we're reading a lot of books with them. And so, mm. and I try to choose books that, um, uh, that are about people in other cultures, like, or people in war-torn countries or, um, we recently read a book about like uh, children in the 18th century who were cleaning chimneys. You know, like my boys have like they are in a, this very comfortable, isolated world where their mother homeschools them. And the way for us to broaden our world and help 
teach them empathy is is to read a lot of books about a lot of different kinds of people. And so like this week we are learning about um, children who who have different disabilities or I think the new way to say it is like other abled children. Mm -hmm. And so I want my children to learn empathy. And so we're reading all these different books about um, children with autism and children who are blind and and try to gain perspective from, from these different walks of life that we would not encounter otherwise. Man, these are great practical tips. I can't wait to implement these. Thank you so much. Learning from you, Irene, is definitely one of my simple joys. You have blown me away with this episode. Surely I am like feeling simultaneously rebuked and encouraged. That's a great episode of Journey Women in my book. So one of my simple joys, let me hear three of yours. Mm, Simple joys. Okay, so confession. I spent a lot of time thinking about these. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not so simple joys. All right, we're ready. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's because like I want them to be good ones, you know? So, Absolutely. You only get three. <laughs> I know. The first one I would have to say is being alone. <laughs> yes, I get that. <laughs> like, on an episode of kindness, I love to be alone. <laughs> I I think my way of like defending this answer is because it's my husband's kindness to me. I remember like when I was going through postpartum with Mm. my fourth, I just Mm. did not want to get out of the house. And Hans was so like, he just saw that I was just melting and crumbling around the edges. And he thought, you know, I just need to get my wife out of the house. And at that point, I mean, it was like not immediately postpartum, but like right. it just kind of dragged on and on and on. And so my physically, I was pretty strong. But then he knows that like if he encourages me to run, it would just be mean. <laughs> so he <laughs> bought me a bicycle, you know, Aww. and I just thought, I don't want a bicycle. I don't want a bicycle. And he's just like, no, you need a bicycle. And so <laughs> he bought one on Craigslist for me just so that I can just have 30 minutes. Of time That's awesome. Being I love that. Yeah. So it, it doesn't have to be on the bicycle, but just oh, him like kicking me out of the house, you know, just like an hour or two yes. to like sit in the library. So that's wonderful. Alone, yeah. Simple joy. Number two is like watching people eating the first bite of food that I cook for them. Oh, <laughs> you must be a great cook. Well, I don't know about great, but I just love to watch like that first bite like second third bite it's it's okay you know but it's just like the first bite like I'm always curious to see like oh I wonder whether they like Malaysian food or like I wonder like what they think of this particular thing that I made up for them you know oh that's so lovely (laughs) that's great you make me want to come and really sit across the table (laughs) from you and the third one is picking books up from the library oh yeah because it's like Christmas, yes, right? Yes, and it's it, like, free. All throughout the- I know. I'm just like completely blown away. I love so it. So those are my three Well, those are lovely. And Irene, it's just been so great to get to chat with you today. I feel so encouraged. And I know you're having a great impact where the Lord has placed you and you've had an impact on me even in this conversation. But it begs the question, who has had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus? So I think that 
I would have to say is that husband of mine who kicks me out the door to get, get some alone time. Yeah. When we were praying about the possibility of marriage, I was actually in a really not a very good place in life. I was hmm. attending a very liberal seminary and like my husband, he was there as a friend at the time, but he was just exhorting me and calling me to turn to the Lord because at the seminary we were in, they did not believe that the Bible is the word of God. And it was just, it's, it's, it's more than that. And I don't want to generalize, but, but he was there to like look over every paper that I was writing and exhorting me. And he preached the gospel to me. He pleaded with me in gentleness and respect. And sometimes even in tears, he was afraid for my soul. And he really wanted me to be rooted in Christ. And he just was not sure that the school that I was going to was going to point me in that direction. And so I am so grateful that he persisted. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, as I mentioned, like we were just friends. And I don't know, like, I don't know what compelled him to be so faithful, you know, and he was not faithful to me, but he was so faithful to Christ. And Mm. I think his faithfulness towards Christ really drew me in on an episode about kindness. I think it's really helpful to just point out that I did not feel loved all the time whenever he corrected me or whenever we were having these debates. But it was so kind of him to yeah. do that yeah. and to not give up on that friendship, you know, because he knew that I believed in God and I believed in Jesus Christ and I believed that the Bible is the word of God. And he felt like if he stopped being a presence in my life, yeah. he wasn't sure whether there was going to be another voice who will persistently speak into my life and remind me of what it means to be rooted in Christ. I love that so much. And you're right. What an act of kindness. And honestly, I'm just so exhorted and encouraged to go and do likewise. Thank you for your kindness in joining us on the Journey Women podcast today, Irene. The pleasure is mine, Hunter. The pleasure is all mine. You guys, we hope this conversation served as both sweet encouragement like honey, and a challenge, a little bit of a rebuke like I got from Irene. Don't forget this episode is part of an entire series on the fruit of the spirit. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss next week's episode with Johnny Erickson Tata on goodness. You can also find us debriefing episodes over on social media at Journey Women Podcast. And if you need them, you can find discussion questions, recommended resources, and the information on our guests over on our website, journeywomenpodcast.com. So you know, this episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Pod Shaper team. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. We don't know if we don't try to start the rest of our lives.